0: Welcome to the Kotki Ride Home for Thursday, February 10th, 2022. I'm Jackson Bird. Today, a possible third planet has been spotted orbiting Proxima Centauri. Plus, a new record has just been set by a nuclear fusion lab in the UK. And, just in time for the holiday, a brief history of Valentine's Meat Juice. Here are some of the cool things from the news Today. A third planet has possibly been found orbiting Proxima Centauri, the closest star to our sun. Quoting The Verge, Located a little more than four light-years from Earth, Proxima Centauri has long captured the imagination of scientists and sci-fi enthusiasts as a prime place to visit if we ever venture far outside our solar system. The celestial object became even more intriguing in 2016 when astronomers found a planet orbiting it. Called Proxima B, the planet is located in the star's habitable zone, where temperatures may be just right for water to pool on the surface. And just a few years later, a second planet, called Proxima C, was discovered around the star too end quotes. And now, what would be called Proxima D has potentially been discovered as well. It would be among the smallest exoplanets ever found, but would cause quite a big stir. The discovery was made by Joao Faria and his team in Portugal when they were using the European Southern Observatory's Very Large Telescope to confirm the presence of Proxima B in 2019. But as they assessed evidence for the first exoplanet, they stumbled on indications of a third. Quoting again, Finding exoplanets is an incredibly tough business, since these distant objects are often completely drowned out by the light from the stars they orbit. Typically, astronomers must infer that an exoplanet is present. One way to do that is by watching how the star's brightness changes over time. If a planet passes in front of a distant star relative to Earth, the world momentarily blocks some of the star's light, causing the star to dim ever so slightly. It's a phenomenon we can pick up and use to learn more about the exoplanets. Astronomers aren't sure yet if Proxima D passes in front of Proxima Centauri from our vantage point on Earth. Instead, the team found evidence for the world by watching Proxima Centauri's ever-so-slight wobbles, the same way Proxima B was found. Even small exoplanets have a gravitational effect on their stars, albeit a small one. Their presence can cause the parent star to teeter slightly, typically in a pattern we can view from Earth. This technique is how Faria and his colleagues were able to determine that Proxima a D likely exists end quote. And if it does, based on those observations, we can infer a few other things about Proxima D. It's very close to Proxima Centauri, a little over 2.5 million miles, less than a tenth of the distance between our Sun and Mercury. That also means it's really hot. But Phil Plate over at Sci-Fi Wire's Bad Astronomy says not as hot as Earth's innermost world, about as hot as boiling water, although the Discovery team says that it may be too hot for water to actually remain a liquid. And the exoplanet would be made up mostly of rocks and metals. Its orbit around Proxima Centauri has been calculated to be just five days, and its mass, about a quarter of Earth's, though its diameter is more like 80% of Earth's. All that said, it appears to be outside of the habitable zone on Proxima Centauri, unlike its sibling, Proxima b. But even Proxima b may not be able to sustain life. Quoting The Verge, Proxima Centauri is a red dwarf, much smaller and dimmer than our sun, meaning the type of light these planets receive is very different than the kind we get on Earth. Plus, red dwarf stars are known to flare much more frequently and more powerfully than stars like our sun, meaning Proxima Centauri is constantly raining down radiated particles onto its nearby planets. Even without all those flares, these planets are bombarded with significantly more radiation than we receive here on Earth because of their close orbit. end quote. Nonetheless, the prospect of a third planet is exciting because it shows that planets do appear to be commonplace beyond our own solar system and gives us even more to explore in our relative backyard. I mean, we can't get anywhere close to Proxima Centauri and its planet or planets yet, but if and when we do get to that point, we'll probably hit up these worlds first. As Plate reminds us, though, the planet is not confirmed to exist just yet. Quote The astronomers used two different ways to analyze the observations, and I have to say they look pretty good. Planet B shows up in their data really well, but Proxima is a weird star. It's highly variable, blasting out flares, and likely has lots of star spots, like sunspots on another star. That can make measuring its velocity very tricky indeed. The team has clearly analyzed the data carefully and the signal is good, but astronomers are a cautious lot. We'll want to see some independent data before we declare this planet to be real. I'll note that while the exoplanet Proxima B has been confirmed and accepted into the official NASA database of alien worlds, Proxima C has not. This makes me wonder what would happen if this new one is confirmed first. Then it will be Proxima C and the one not quite Confirmed yet, we'll have to wait and then become Proxima D, end quotes, just to make things a little more confusing. It's been a while since I've talked about nuclear fusion on this podcast, but progress continues to be made at different fusion facilities around the world. And yesterday, the Joint European Taurus or Jet Facility in England announced that they have broken their own record by producing 59 megajoules of heat in a five-second burst of fusion. Their previous record, set back in 1997, was 21.7 megajoules. And that 59 megajoules over five seconds isn't exactly a huge energy output, it's about 11 megawatts, or as the BBC put it, quote, only enough to boil about 60 kettles worth of water, end quotes. But it is a huge step forward nonetheless. Dr. Arthur Turrell, the author of The Star Builders, Nuclear Fusion, and the Race to Power the Planet, told the BBC, quote, it's a landmark because they demonstrated stability of the plasma over five seconds. That doesn't sound very long, but on a nuclear timescale, it's a very very, very long time indeed, and it's very easy then to go from five seconds to five minutes or five hours or even longer, end quote. It also means JET is on the right path as they transition into a new facility and new phase of their work, the International Thermonuclear Experimental Reactor, or ITER, fusion project being constructed in the south of France. But backing up real quick for a refresher on how nuclear fusion works and why it's such a big deal... Quoting space.com, nuclear fusion, the same reaction that occurs in the heart of stars, merges atomic nuclei to form heavier nuclei. Nuclear physicists have long sought to produce nuclear fusion in reactors on Earth because it generates far more energy than burning fossil fuels does. For example, a pineapple-sized amount of hydrogen atoms offers as much energy as 10,000 tons of coal, according to a statement from Eater. end quote. And from the BBC, quote, "...in the core of the sun, huge gravitational pressures allow this to happen at temperatures of around 10 million Celsius. At the much lower pressures that are possible on Earth, temperatures to produce fusion need to be much higher, above 100 million Celsius." no materials exist that can withstand direct contact with such heat. So to achieve fusion in a lab, scientists have devised a solution in which a superheated gas, or plasma, is held inside a donut-shaped magnetic field. Jet, sited at Coleman in Oxfordshire, has been pioneering this fusion approach for nearly 40 years. And for the past 10 years, it's been configured to replicate the anticipated ITER setup, end quote. So, JET uses copper electromagnets that get too hot so it can't run any longer than it does. Eater is being constructed with internally cooled superconducting magnets. And in the most recent experiment, JET also tested out using beryllium and tungsten for the lining of the donut shaped vessel, an improvement over the carbon that they used in 1997. Quoting The Guardian, Experiments at JET have focused on whether fusion is feasible with a fuel based on two isotopes of hydrogen, known as deuterium and tritium, which combine to form helium gas. The latest results suggest that it is, and provide crucial confirmation for ITER, which is scheduled to start burning deuterium-tritium fuel in 2035. While deuterium is abundantly available in seawater, tritium is extremely rare and produced in nuclear reactors. Future fusion plants, either included, are expected to make their own tritium fuel by using high-energy neutrons released when deuterium and tritium fuse to split the common metal lithium into tritium and helium. End quote. A huge challenge for lab-based fusion reactions is using more energy to produce the reaction than the reaction outputs. Eater is hoping its new design will initially break even, and as planned commercial plants are constructed, they will actually have a net gain serving local grids. JET is expected to be decommissioned in 2023, with ITER beginning low-power hydrogen reactions two years later and moving up to the deuterium-tritium fuel over the subsequent decade. Given that timeline, it is crucial to keep in mind that while nuclear fusion is a super exciting possible clean energy source, it would not be a cure-all for the climate emergency. Quoting again from the BBC, There's huge uncertainty about when fusion power will be ready for commercialization. One estimate suggests maybe 20 years. Then fusion would need to scale up, which would mean a delay of perhaps another few decades. In the words of my colleague John Amos, fusion is not a solution to get us to 2050 net zero. This is a solution to power society in the second half of the century. End quote. But just like the extreme negative impacts of the climate emergency, just because we might not be around for some of this to come to fruition is not a reason to deprioritize it. As Professor Ian Chapman, the chief executive of the UK Atomic Energy Authority, told The Guardian, quote, these landmark results have taken us a huge step closer to conquering one of the biggest scientific and engineering challenges of them all. It's clear we must make significant changes to address the effects of climate change. And fusion offers so much potential. End quote. Valentine's Day is right around the corner, and have I got a gift recommendation for you. Valentine's branded meat juice. Now granted, you'll need a DeLorean to take you back to the late 1800s to get your hands on a bottle, but hey, that just proves your love, right? And what anniversary year is meat juice? Is it 15th, 30th? Valentine's meat juice was invented not by Arby's, but by a merchant named Man S. Valentine II in the 1870s. As Atlas Obscura tells it, when Valentine's wife fell sick and doctors had given up on trying to cure her undefined digestive ailment, Valentine took matters into his own hands. Since his wife and Maria couldn't keep down solid foods, he wanted to come up with a liquid that could provide her with nutrients. Quoting Atlas Obscura, Valentine had concocted a tonic from beef juice and egg whites. The tonic was more effective than beef broth, he reasoned, because boiling meat for broth alters its proteins and leaves it impaired in value. By gently cooking the beef at a low temperature and then pressure cooking it, he extracted juice from the meat that retained more of its nutritional value and was acceptable to the most irritable stomach, he wrote, end quote. Whether it was solely because of the boost of iron and other nutrients from the meat juice or not, Anne Maria did steadily begin to recover, and Valentine decided to make more of the juice to sell and send out to doctors. Doctors came to love Valentine's meat juice, at least if testimonials in his own self-published booklets could be believed, claiming that it could cure nausea, dysentery, typhoid, cholera, motion sickness, morning sickness, and more. One doctor even suggested the meat juice as a meal replacement for busy workers. And Atlas Obscura says it was one of the top selling Selling products in American pharmacies, a staple in many household medicine cabinets, and advertised as being taken daily by President Garfield while he recovered from the assassination attempt on him. Now, it was worth noting that this was the era of hucksters and snake oil salesmen, so not only should testimonials printed by Valentine himself be taken with a grain of salt, but any true ones could have also been a result of people being willing to believe that it worked more than it did. Though, despite how funny and off-putting it may sound, there's no denying that meat juice would have been a strong boost to protein and maybe even tasted alright. Quoting again, The preparation of Valentine's meat juice sounds almost savory. Beef was pressure-cooked and strained to remove its juice, which was then boiled down into a concentrate liquid that was mixed with egg whites, later glycerin, explains Meg Hughes, director of collections and chief curator at The Valentine, a museum on the site of Valentine's old home and store. Patients were instructed to take one teaspoon of the protein rich tonic, diluted with two or three tablespoons of water, cold or lukewarm, but not hot. Many people also mixed it into soup or gruel, or if they had especially tender stomachs, into crushed ice. End quote and the phenomenon was not restricted to the US. Valentine exhibited his meat juice at the Paris Exposition in 1878, where it was a big hit, and he even had to sue a London company for using his name for a line of meat globules. Delicious. Meat juice kept going strong as a medicinal solution until shortly after the Food and Drug Act was passed in 1906, requiring medicines to be regulated and list their ingredients. Now, while meat juice was probably one of the more benign or even properly effective tonics being hawked at the time, the Valentine Company did rebrand as a flavoring for cooking around that time. And the company actually kept selling its meat juice as a cooking flavoring up until 1986. So I guess if you want the cooking flavoring version of meat juice, you only need to travel back to 1986, not 1886, you know, much more doable. So yesterday I talked about the 40 of 49 Starlink satellites that SpaceX launched earlier this month that have been lost due to a geomagnetic storm. Well, a group of astronomers in Puerto Rico managed to catch some of them disintegrating on camera, and it's pretty cool to see. If you are into that sort of thing, so there's a link to check out that video in the show notes. But that is it from me for today. As always, this show was produced by Ride Home Media and KOTKEY.org. I am Jackson Bird, and I'm I will talk to you again tomorrow.